welcome to episode two of Behind the Book. My name is Cecilia. And I'm Sabrina. And for this week, we have a very special guest. We have Friyenzi Adegba-Meyer, who is joining us from New York. And we're very grateful for her being here because she has a stellar point of view on both the publishing and the writing experience. Friyenzi has an MFA from Hofstra University and is an editorial assistant at Macmillan with Fable and Friends. So to toss it over to Friyenzi, if she would like to introduce herself. Yes. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Foyancy. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And um, as Sabrina said, I am an editorial assistant at File and Friends from Macmillan. Um, So we're under the Macmillan Children's Publishing Group. Thank you for having me. Welcome. And we're so happy to have you both as like a Hofstra alum, um, but also just because you're a really impressive person. (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of impressive, I, like I mentioned, I may have stalked your Twitter a little bit. But I want to extend congratulations to you for acquiring some of your first titles. Congratulations. I saw that you um, got Golden Ticket Mm -hmm. as well as Ace of Spades. Yes. So I am very excited to read those. And the minute I saw those, I added them to my Goodreads. I was like, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes, please, everybody add them to your Goodreads um, because they're really great stories. And I cannot wait till they're out in the world. Definitely. I'm interested for the listeners, what led you to go into publishing when you have such an extensive background in creative writing with your MFA? Basically what happened was um, my senior year of undergrad um, was quickly coming to an end and I kind of had like a sit down with myself and I was like, what are you going to do for a career? Because my plans to have a novel written and possibly published by the time I graduated was like, I didn't even have half of a novel written. So I was like, okay, like, you need like another plan of making money. And I don't remember how I like thought of publishing because before, like as much as I loved books, I never thought about like what goes into making a book. I never thought about like, there's a whole industry that like, this is what people do. Um, but once I finally did think about publishing, I was like, okay, like that seems like a, a fun place to be. And I thought I figured editorial that I would like it because I taking a lot of like workshop classes at Hofstra. Um, and I really liked like giving people feedback on their work and not just in terms of like critique and like, here's what you can do better, but even just saying like, oh, I really love this line or this was a really like great line. This was really well phrased or like, this was really interesting. So like giving the good and the bad. So I was like, okay, like, I think I'll like editorial. And yeah, I was like, I don't really have a backup plan beyond this. So like, if I don't like it, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself um, but I was very fortunate that I do in fact love editorial and do in fact love publishing. So as an editor do you find yourself still pursuing writing? I try to I'll be honest I'm not the best at it I really admire people who can like have full-time jobs and write novels because it's a lot so like I will like get bursts of like energy and be like oh let me work on this novel like and then like months like for months I won't <laughs> think of like I'll think of writing but that's as far as it goes um so I mean I try to and like NaNoWriMo does help like I'm doing it now although I changed my goal my goal is not 50,000 words it's just to write every day because for me that's an accomplishment so like that has been what's motivating me and I'm also like keeping like track on Twitter so I'm like oh, if I don't write like I'm not going to be able to like update the thread on Twitter and then people will know I'm a failure so like that's been like I, yeah so like that's been like good at like keeping me accountable because that's what I've like realized is that I really need like 
someone or people like keeping me accountable in some way um whether it's like a writing group like um at work actually we have a we created like a writing group for black indigenous people of color um so that's been really nice yeah and that's one thing i miss about like being in Hofstra's program is that like classes made me write um and it turns out i don't have the self-discipline to do it on my own so like yeah so those kind of groups like really do help I totally get that because even I'm like, I tell Susie about this all the time. I just feel disenchanted with writing because I don't have that self-discipline no matter how many times I try to learn it. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I love that idea of like a writing group. And I think something that I love about like in my research of Macmillan is just the community that they developed for their staff and like having a writing group just sounds amazing yeah and there was even like last year for NaNoWriMo like um someone was able to like book a conference room for like us to go to during lunch like every Friday of NaNoWriMo and like that was really just lovely oh that's amazing yeah so we all just like sat in the room together and it was just quiet and we were all just writing but like it was nice to like again have that accountability yeah I think that's what I miss the most about like being at school and just being around people is having you have that pressure and you're like okay i'm gonna write now exactly i'm currently interning at simon schuster and something that i learned about were intellectual property projects and my editors have like been pitching different ideas that they have and so i'm curious at mcmillan do you have the opportunity to like create ip projects if maybe there's an idea that you see would fit into the publishing landscape and that you want to see on the shelves but like might not have the motivation to write it yourself have you created any or are you considering yeah and that's one thing I really love is that we do have that freedom to like come up with like an idea and then like pitch it for like to our uh, managers and then like for acquisitions and there have been like quite a number of um, projects that have come through I haven't had any yet because I did have an IP project idea and I like developed it and all that stuff Um, but the more I kept thinking about it like I'm kind of a controlled like person so I'm like what are the odds I'm gonna find a writer who like executes exactly the way I want it to and I probably could but like again I just have trouble letting go so I was like okay like why don't I just write it <laughs> like so that's the novel that I'm working on now actually but I mean I have had other ideas that I'm like this will probably be an IP like one idea I had is I would love like a YA retelling of the Canterbury Tales, which is really funny because when I was at Hofstra, like I had so many classes that dealt with the same set of books and it was really frustrating for me. And the Canterbury Tales was one of them. So like by the time I graduated, I was like, okay, like I'm really tired of this book. But then last year, like I randomly like thought about it and I was like, it'd be cool to like, maybe just in the framework, like that same framework that um, Chaucer uses, like not and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a strict retelling like again it can just be like the framework but like I don't know the idea of like a group of teens like traveling somewhere and like telling each other stories just sounds really cool to me so I haven't really developed it or pitched it yet but if I do I will be on the lookout for a writer yeah no that sounds amazing I love retellings Mm-hmm. I think like one of those books that I read in high school, it was like Beowulf and I could not stand it for the life of me. But I think Macmillan had a retelling of it. I read that and I was just like this, this is what I needed in my life. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, so your manuscript wish list states that you're looking for books that highlight marginalized voices without diversity being the focal point of the story. There are a few books on the market that do that, and oftentimes I've heard the like explanation that like, oh, that story has been told before, that's why they don't want to hear it. Do you find that being a conversation in editorial meetings that you're in? And if so, like, how do you combat them? Yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate in that I haven't heard that, like, directly but I do know of other people who like have and I think like it's something that really is a pervasive thought even I have to catch myself sometimes like when I hear about a story and I'm like oh like you know there's a lot of like fantasy princess stories who are out there but then it's like okay they may be out there but like we haven't heard it from this perspective and like I really do have to even catch myself sometimes. But yeah, in terms of combating that, I mean, I think that's just really the start of it. I mean, I'm obviously still figuring out, but I think it is just pointing out that like, yes, like we may feel like, you know, we've gotten a lot of vampire werewolf stories, but like they haven't been approached from this angle yet and it deserves to have a chance as well. For us personally, we're in the women class and something that we spent a few class periods discussing is just like, as we review the submissions that we have, just understanding our goals for the writing and then also looking for those like differences where we can kind of look at it objectively and seeing where it's different seeing if the writing still stands up even with the themes that are presented and we're using submittable as a platform so the editorial team can like comment on pieces and like start that conversation and then i know once we have our full editorial meeting it's gonna be a long one but a fun one so i was just wondering like what are the goals that you have for the books that you plan to acquire yeah, in the future? I, mean, I have like- a couple of different goals. Like, I want to acquire books that fill a hole in the market in terms of just like, oh, we don't have like a lot of like these kind of stories. But yeah, I also do want to provide like escape. And at the same time, like, I want books that will make you think in some way. Because like, when I was growing up, I remember like, the reason I loved young adults so much is because it really shaped how I view the world and how I approach the world. And I always say like, I'm lucky to like, have grown up reading like, science fiction and fantasy, because like, nothing seems like impossible to me like even in our world like when people are like oh that's just the way the world is I'm like yeah but it doesn't have to be that way like I have no issue like imagining a different type of world because like I got to experience them so much growing up and even like I always say I'm lucky to have grown up in the era of the Hunger Games and like Divergent and stuff because like we had the women like the heroines who were like leads and so like I didn't really feel like oh there's anything I can't do like as a woman because you had these like 16 17 year old girls like taking down entire empires um so like I would love like to like add to that in some way. I totally get that. One of like the main things I've always felt is like, yes, I was raised by my parents, no doubt. But I also felt like I was raised by all of the YA books I read because there's so many perspectives that I've gotten. And I think that made me a better person in general because I wasn't just reading what my parents would prefer me to read. Like I started out reading American Girl novels and then like I elevated to one of my favorite reads currently is like Legendborn and Raybearer. I love those. And because they offer that different perspective, even if like they do have their own tropes that probably have been covered in white narratives, it's still fresh. And I really enjoyed reading them. Yeah, like those books are very much like on my my pile of, of books to read. Yeah. <laughs> what are you currently reading? 
It's a little tough because I'm constantly reading like manuscripts as well as like published books. I always say that's one of the toughest parts of my job is remembering like what is public knowledge and what isn't and what I can talk about publicly and what I can't. So I am currently reading The Unhoneymooners by Christina Lauren, who I love. Like I don't read adult often, but if I read adult, it's usually romance and they're like one of my favorite authors ever. So with talking about that, how do you keep on top of slush piles? It is a lot. My goal is to get it down to responding within two weeks. I'm not quite there yet. I think I'm at like a month and I just always feel bad being a writer as well. Like I always sympathize with the writers. As a writer and as a publisher or editor, is there one piece of advice that you have gotten that you would like to share just about either process? As a writer i would say kind of what i said earlier which is like if you don't have self-discipline the same way i don't then like it really helps to find people to hold you accountable and then in terms of being an editor i guess i would say and i think this is true of publishing in general but like unfortunately it's an industry where who you know like really does go a long way and can really make a difference in like getting a job and stuff so i would say like don't be afraid to like reach out to people and you know obviously don't force it but like just putting yourself out there like to make those connections like i would definitely advise um because like actually how i got this job or what helped me get this job was that when i was an intern i was interning under fsg books for young readers but i was also reading for swoon reads and one of the editors who like handle swoon reads like she and I like got pretty close and so when when my internship ended and like a month later like this job opened up and she like emailed me like directly and was like hey like we have like a an opening like would you be interested and I just thought it was really cool because again like I had an intern for her like officially like but we just like spoke a few times. Thank you I those are both like two great pieces of advice. In line with that, is there anything you wish writers knew more about the publishing industry or vice versa that like editors knew about writers? While I'm in this industry, the more I learn that very rarely do books get rejected because like, oh, they're just bad. It, it, it can be so many other factors and it really like is frustrating. Trust me, I know like if you get rejected, it's not always because like you're not talented. Um, and then... In terms of what editors knew about writers, I guess just like the anxiety that can come with writing something and then like putting yourself out there for like other people to read. Um, And I think a lot of editors do understand this, but you know, just to reiterate, um, just like it can be a lot to like write something and like give it to someone else to read. Like even when I have my friends read it, I'm just like, oh my, like, (laughs) like the minute I send something off, I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, why why would I do that? Like, it's not ready yet. Um, So it can be a lot. And I try to keep that like in mind. And also like, I also try to give, um, when, if I am rejecting something, like I try to give some kind of specific like feedback as to why, like rather than just keeping it like, oh, it's not for my list, like giving something that like the writer can like use um, to revise or like use just when like for the next thing that they're writing. Um, I try to do that. And, you know, obviously like it comes down to time and like you can't always give like a full like here's a breakdown, like edit letter. Um, But yeah, like I try to just give like a, you know, like here's what I would work on, like um, or here's what I would improve. So like, I hope it would help writers, like, if editors did that, too, um, rather rather than just being vague about, like, why they're rejecting something. 
Yeah, that's definitely like fair because even on my side in interning in a literary agency, I know that there's like the boilerplate response of just like, eh, thank you. But yeah. and again, like I understand, like you know, there's like not enough hours in the world to like handle everything. Um, so I definitely understand the reason for having like a boilerplate. Um, but at least for myself, like I'm trying to make it a goal of again just having something that is like specific and applicable to the story itself, even if like everything else is like generic. I commend that because I'm sure you have a lot of um, submissions in your inbox, so. To have that goal is like extremely admirable. Hopefully, I can keep it. <laughs> and you know, obviously, it's easy to say when I'm like still pretty junior level. So like, I like don't have a million submissions the way my supervisor does. But I'm trying to make it really, <laughs> really a goal. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been no amazing talking to you and so like fun and exciting. I am extremely excited for all of the things that we can look forward to. As we wrap up, what is the best way for our listeners to find you on social media to keep up with all of your projects? Yes, it is at um, O-Y-I-N-A-T-I-O-M-I, Oyinati Omi, which is Yoruba for honey and water, um, because I feel like those are like life's essentials, you know, the sweetness and then like the necessity. I love that so much. (laughs) Thank you. We're so happy to have had you. It was so nice speaking with you again. I'm going to echo Cece. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us because I know we both really appreciate it. No problem. This was really fun. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Special thanks to Foyenzi for taking the time to speak with us. Yes, it's always a pleasure to speak with Foyenzi and I appreciate all the wonderful advice she shared with us today. To keep up with this podcast and other conversations from the Windmill staff, be sure to visit our website, HofstraWindmill.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Windmill Journal. As always, happy reading and writing, and thanks for listening.